Hello everybody, this is Dr. T, Pastor Tavo of the Tavo Creative Leadership and the DFW Leader Online Ministry Fellowship, and now we're just putting everything through the art, Abiding Relationship Theology. And we have a new YouTube, which still is the worst for wear, needs prayer, so we need more help with production and, you know, getting the right things up. We'll put some of these podcasts up there as well. But it's uh, Abiding Relationship Theology Web TV.com. And then I have relationshiptheology.org, which is the site which has the kernel teaching on the front that you want to tell everybody they can look at pastors and leaders to train people on abiding in James 3.17, even under pressure, with God's help. It will require Holy Spirit and patience and learning how to do it and getting better at it. And if you fall off the horse, don't feel ashamed, don't run get back on. Any wisdom that's from above, it says, is first of all pure, peaceable, easily entreated, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the best of my ability, I'm trying to live like that, even if I just, you know, if I fall, I get back up. So the idea is no one has to be perfect, a perfectionist, but you want to be the power empowered by the Lord to do better and a lot of people can get a lot better especially if you had abusive tendencies you were raised abusive or you were raised cursed out or you think you know hair trigger temper with the Holy Spirit and his power you can have personal self-government handed back even though Adam lost it and brought the curse down by his own willful intentions and sin in the garden so God is good One of the things I'm going to do today is just sort of uh, get in there and have God bring to mind some of my favorite scriptures and points. Right now, I was just thinking about a little-known scripture to me 20 years ago, 30 years ago, was that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. That is a relationship verse. It's all about Christ, but also about His self-government with Himself his confidence boost, but it came because of Holy Spirit grace. And I didn't know way back when in the 90s, I didn't know that you could increase in wisdom, supernatural wisdom, God's wisdom. I didn't know you could increase in favor with God and man. And I didn't know that you could have an increase in wisdom stature, you know, stature and could mean, you know, physical stature. Of course, Jesus grew up from the baby to the grown man. But you can have an area stature, you can have a spiritual, emotional stature, favor. So the idea is that we just have so many resources in the Bible, we can't even mention them all. But if you look at them through the eyes of relationships, the idea that yes, it's talking about this, that, and the other person's places or things, concepts. But then you think, well, what effect does it have on the relationship of people, that person, with God, with man? At the top of onlinefellowship.us, you can see the 10 Bible relationships that come under pressure. And under pressure at times through life, they can represent Jesus Christ, the non-accuser. But then they could represent the accuser of the brethren, the sister and the mother and the leader and the children. Years ago, when I had a television, I used to watch the nanny shows and I used to like to see it because I'm a mom. I like being a mom. And I think compassion for kids and uh, stepkids and stuff. 
So I used to watch that, and that's about relationships. Family, children, parents, stepchildren. And so I'll always never forget. I had an assignment with this man, and he had three beautiful, like 3D, toe-headed little girls, and he was the stepfather. Well, that man called those with his own lack of respect for another human, maybe because they weren't his own children, but he would just cuss them out at a beautiful little sweet girls, two through six, something like that, three, four, and five, something really young, impressionable. And he would call them the B word. He would just get angry and lose it with them and take it out, vent violently on them. I always remember what the nanny did. Because see, my heart breaks. That really just gets to me. Especially, you know, parents, it seems, have a little bit of extra strength to be sweet and not mean when it's their own blood. But if you don't have any connection and it's not yours, then you could easily get something in your craw. And that's what we're seeing on the online all the time. The headlines of parents killing their own children, hate to say it, but we can also see a lot worse stuff is going on with step-parents. The mom takes in the boyfriend. <coughs> Pardon me. I don't know what these mothers are thinking. They're that desperate and that needy. But they put the little kids second and they end up all sorts of mayhem and violence and cruelty. It's just horrible. I said, it is a shame. And these are relationship issues. Look at not just the sin and the pain, but look at the lack of whatever it was that went on in all these people, countless people, thousands of people that murder, what went on in their relationships before they got to this point in time where they lost it, threw the baby against the wall, cracked their skull, did this to other men, other women. What in the world is going on? So, body of Christ, you can't help what these people are doing. Help by giving good training to the ones in front of you, the ones you're close to the ones that you're on media to and you can I need more help I need a lot we need a lot more people teaching relationships not just only about success business getting our needs met you know with all that stuff if you look at this little bait the little three little girls what happened was this man was just filmed and they bleeped it, you know, because he's just using profanity at these little girls, beautiful girls who are forming their picture of themselves, their image of who they are and not, their attraction as a female, as a girl, confidence, and then they have Satan himself just spearheading him and cutting them down because the enemy is after the beauty of those little children, the future of these young women, you know, the future women, the future mother. He's trying to call them, cause them grief. So this man is cursing them out, and the nanny's there, so she gets this wonderful idea. She makes enlargements of each of the three girls, picture enlargements, and they're life-size pictures of them, and she stands them in a row, and she calls the man. Their little girls are not around. She calls the stepfather out into the yard, and they're the little picture cardboard cutouts of each of the girls, and she hands him knives or darts, one or the other. And she says, all right, I want you to throw these darts at those little girls. He says, well, why? That's weird. That's ugly. She says, well, don't. that's exactly what you're doing, though, with your words. 
Your words are like darts. They go in your spirit. They go, they go in your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. I say that because I used to have... I had an experience at one time in my life that seemed like it was forever that I had the darts of horrible, horrible F-words right at me. And it was just not my... When my father... But I went, wow, it was so difficult. It left me with PTSD, frankly. And I had to go to the Lord. That's one reason I did grow up and know the Bible and got stronger to survive. And I give God the glory and I thank God for all the TV ministry and all the radio and all the different resources that are out there for the body of Christ through different ministers. This is the Christians I'm talking to now. So I thought, when I see something like that, or I meet a young person that could be teaching the Bible, could be really a leader for the Lord, but they're crippled. They're emotionally crippled because of what they went to. They, they dulled down to avoid attack. They were crippled by their Christian father or mother, or a leader, or violence. It really gets to me because I think, there for the grace of God go I, but I did go to some of that, but not as bad usually. And because I had a happy parent, I had two happy parents and a happy frame of an emotional love tank that was not jaded or cruelly treated. I happened to have God's grace. Two parents and it was happy. And when later when I grew up and had it, wasn't happy. And my love tank, thankfully, that parental God and parental care Help me stand back and say, Father, I know that other person was damaged badly growing up. I was not. I think, like Jesus on the cross, I could forgive them because they know not what they do. Because you can have a people that were good people, but they could have more than one side. And if they get, if they were damaged, that bad side may come out under pressure, or they just switch. It could be mental health issues. It could be the devil himself. It could be a lot of things. Every case is different. But the issue is, if you were one, if you were one now that knows you have that secret side, that violent side, that raging side, uh, alcoholic, abusive rage, male or female, and you know the Lord, you know, it isn't your responsibility, it isn't your fault. I'm not accusing you of having that happen to you. You could not help. You were the child. You didn't choose it. They did it. However, your choice is now that you're grown, that you have Jesus in your heart. You say, Father, I must willfully forgive them intentionally and let it go and try my best to forgive them. That isn't always easy and it, it takes work, but you must forgive them so that that isn't on you. However, even if you forgive them, the grief could have been so big and so bad that you will need to go either get prayer if you have, some people get psychosis or they get bipolar because of what went on. They have, there's a type of bipolar that can come on you that you escape the violence by retreating into the other personality, which is not your fault, but it can be demonic. It can be just mentally unhealthy and you may need medicine. So whether it's prayer, healing, standing on God's word, deliverance, cast in out of the devil, whatever it takes, going to the psychologist, getting whatever medicine you need, do it. Whatever it is, do it. And Jesus and prayer will help you do it right. There's no 
sin in having that happen. The bad thing is, if it, w- it would be sin if you think, well, I know that I do it and I hurt people. I know that I have a violent temper and I don't want to, I'm too scared to go get help, to get counsel, to let anyone know about it except my wife or my husband or my children. Then that is your choice, but God will hold you accountable and responsible because it is sin. I'm not accusing you, I'm just saying that is sin. To know something that is you're doing is wrong, you keep doing it, you repeat it. But then you know there's help and you choose to forgo that. You choose not to help. You know, there's a Bible verse that comes to mind. And I've met too many of these at grassroots, males and females. Second Timothy 2, 24 through 25 and 26, it says, Minister to meekness, with meekness to those who oppose themselves. Because these are God's tough customers. They may have accepted Jesus or thought they did, but they really don't live the life. They really don't haven't done their own inner work to let God heal them or to forgive. So it says, minister to meek, minister in meekness to those who oppose themselves, lest they take themselves out of being held captive by the devil. In other words, the devil will keep you captive. But in this verse, it says it's your responsibility <clears throat> that you have the choice to be there with is be, be captive or not. I met too many of these people. That's why I had to pull away from the grassroots. I had one that lived with me after I was uh, in Texas. It was a female. And I will never, I always remember that she had been divorced 24 years earlier and she was still full of vitriol. It was so bad. I had been ambushed, forced, and I didn't know about it. Our children were grown. But it was, could have been, it was following a heart bypass. And a lot of things happen to people during the heart bypass, the quadruple bypass. So things were not exactly the same. And that person, you know, I was informed I'd get a divorce. I said, oh, no, I don't want to get a divorce. I know you love me. And he said, well, I'll force you to. I said, he says, I'll, I'll make the divorce server sign, serve you papers. I said, I'm not signing them. Well, sure enough, out of the blue one night, and I was jumped at 11 at night in the dark by the server, and it was just horrible. It was just hell. But anyway, so I realized that a lot of people have so many different situations, you cannot put any kind of stereotype. There are no stereotype doctors, pastors, divorces, marriages, ministers, churches, fellowships. Everything's different. Every individual you meet sitting on the stool at the Barista Fellowship is certainly unique and not to be stereotyped. Whether they're black, whether they're American, whether they're from another Indonesia or any other country in the world, any other faith, no one is a stereotype. They're all equal, but they maybe have come from different hurt, different faith, different choices, and different backgrounds, but it's their equal opportunity to be respected because they were made in God's image like you, Psalm 139. That didn't mean you trust everybody. That means you don't, that didn't mean you like everybody. You can get along with everybody. It takes two. But at least you're willing to try with Jesus' help. That's when James 3.17, checking their fruit out, checking your own heart by James 3.17 also comes into play. So when we think of Ministry to meekness, with meekness to those who oppose themselves, these people, I call them God's tough customers. 
born-again Egyptians living in denial. That means they are still bound by the world themselves, whatever their hurt is, their unforgiveness, many things. So you don't want to be like that. But they're there and just so you're not one. Especially if you're a leader. You don't want to be one as a leader, even though they, you know, ministry. Because it's, here's another thing. If you are a, a Christ follower, minister, leader, or lay or business person, says you're to minister with meekness. Why? That humility is a huge deal in effectiveness with them. Because why? These people are so tough. It's usually because they're arrogant and they have pride. They have a will and they have pride, and maybe they're immature or just poor me victim. They did that to me. Sister Sally did it. My girlfriend left me at the altar. I'm brokenhearted, whatever it is, but they're complaining, and it's because their own unwillingness to go seek God and get everything right. If you look at the onlinefellowship.us, and it says the 10 Bible relationships, you can see there's the relationship one with God and each human. Do they want one? Will they work on having one or not? The second one would be the relationship of every human with themselves. When they close their eyes, whatever's in their love tank, their mind, will, and emotions, their confusion can really cause a lot of issues. Let's look at an example of Genesis 4 when after the fall and Cain and Abel are born, the two children of Adam and Eve... Well, God is not happy with Cain's offering that he worked so hard to do, and he accepts Abel's offering. So that old, brooding, worrying, comparing, contrasting, resentment, self-talk, envy, anger at competition was in Cain against his brother and he ended up murdering it boiled over from the inside to the out so self-talk's a big deal the next person would be your spouse the relationship with you and the spouse under pressure when you've come home from work and you're all tired when the children don't sleep and you're still having to work and there's no money in the account and then oh maybe you have fear you have all the disappointment job loss you name it that's when relations relationships under really big attack from accusations, Satan, all sorts of demonic things. So that's what both of you, before that happens, before you get married, when you're ready to get counseled, you work on each of you with God's help privately and together, maintaining a standard of James 3.17 under pressure. It'll work. It'll preserve Any wisdom that says it's from above. All right, so both people would be, am I acting pure in this? Do I have doubt? Do I have unbelief? Do I have faith? Do I have a secret agenda to get my own way? Peaceable. I'm not going to scream and yell and pout and complain and throw things. I'm going to keep my government. Any wisdom that comes from above is, first of all, pure, peaceable, easily entreated. That means it doesn't have to win and be right all the time. It doesn't have to ruin somebody to look good at their behalf. It is not stubborn, strong-willed. It is easily entreated negotiating. All right. 
the wisdom that comes from above, pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy. What does it say in Ephesians 4.32, written by Paul? Be ye kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. After that, it would be without partiality. That means without picking sides, playing favorites, trying to be over everybody, all that type of thing. Competition and division. Racism. Bigotry, bias of any kind. Gender bias. The next would be, the wisdom that comes from above would be without hypocrisy. It's not two-faced, putting on a front, pretending, which is really lying. It's not emotionally dishonest. That means, oh yeah, and then really you're a hypocrite. Oh yeah, you're just so sweet. We just love you. And then they're talking about you behind your back. So insincere would not be pure. The idea is we're working on all of us, though. And if we're a team, if we view the body of Christ not as... If we view it through relationships, that means we're all called of God equally. Everybody's different in their own experiences, wisdom, experience in time, and call maturity, emotional health, but we're all equal. And then we teach from that and we go back to the old first Testament, first church, and we go to one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the father of us all. And we look at how the Ephesians church, Ephesians four common doctrine and the body unity, which transforms the first, the body of Christ, the leadership doctrine, the meekness and humility of all, all the saints the knowledge of common doctrine, their freedom from law and legalism, accusation based on law. Then that transforms the body so there's less winds of doctrine, less immaturity, more purity. People in the area start to see a difference in the Christian and the community, and they get affected, and that transforms society. Isn't that cool? Psalm 33 states, and it is Old Testament, but it applies to the New as a second command, as a confirmation, it says the unity in the body is where God commands his blessing, life forevermore. That's also parallel with the Church of Philadelphia, the Brotherly Love Walk Church. It's the only church whose doors will never close. So if you want your door to your church spiritually to never close, then be the Love Walk Church. Practice abiding relationship, faith with relationship, James 3.17. So these are just some little nuggets to think about for teaching, getting out there, helping me get this out there on the airwaves, get people thinking instead of one way, my way or the highway, or bring it all to me. It's all about money. Yes, it's my four and no more, me-centric, Christ-following then that's that's out. That's really out. Or if it's racially divisive, abusive, gender-biased, age-biased, anything that would not fit James 3.17 in a relationship form, and then would have to also abide by the Bible in the New Testament minus the law. All right, let's look at the big topic. There we have the identities and all the different gender issues, males and females, all kinds in between. In order to be a respectful 
person, you want to respect every individual walking on the earth, on the planet, no matter what their appearance or their gender, or their identity or their culture, and you want to respect them in James 3.17 form. You want to respect them for the office of the human made in God's image, Psalm 139. Yet, you want to not please other people. You want to please God, and he says to do things a certain way in his Bible in the New Testament. Yes, there are things that are back under the law that are more super duper sin, you know, pointing the finger. But in the New Testament, we're not back under the law. We want to also notice that how Jesus relationship saint or sinner and how he respected them no matter what, even if they had different choices. To me, James 3.17 says, I will assess you, appraise you, but I will not accuse you. I will realize that you and I are not on the same page, that you're not going to, you know, you're not really submitting or you're not choosing to follow the whole Bible, not back under the law, but all of the New Testament, which are some pretty strong things. However, on the other hand, I'm not going to monkey on your business or make you condemned or ashamed or accuse you beat you down with my Bible, pretend I'm superior when I'm not. I'm going to say, here's the, what I believe. I'm going to say it in James 3.17, respectful form as a Selah. I'm presenting it if the Lord opens that door. And you do it in a peaceful, respectful form. Put the ball in their court and then leave it there. That is them. It is their choice to hear or not. Do you realize that everybody's heard what we've heard? We've heard so many things and teachings and accusations and ministries online and on TV and in the subculture of America from the born-again people that it's now almost a buzzword, a hot word, if you say born-again because of the bad reputation, bad connotation of relationship, disrespect, even evil. When I first heard that 20 years ago, Matthew Shepard, the young gay man, was killed by somebody. And he was killed by Christians or somebody that was, you know, they said they were some kind of Christian, I believe. That was just the most horrible thing. I've written on that as well. I thought that is why Jesus has a bad name. That's why going to church, being born again is looked down on. That's why... Everyone thinks, if you say, I'm a Christian, I believe the Bible, you must be born again, you're a bigot. They also think, I'm letting you know, that where I live at the barista fellowship level, that the people of white skin usually think, if, and they're not, if they're not, most people believe that if you ask Jesus into your heart, a lot of these people that were hurt and dear people, they believe, good people, good and talented too, made in God's image, but just not a believer. They think that if I accept Jesus into my heart and ask him to be my savior, do I have to turn into a white, uh, a, a religious right Republican? I would say this. Well, do you have to turn into a liberal Democrat? Either way, you, you're free to hear God. I think the best thing that you need to do is be apolitical. Let everyone hear for themselves. Let the Lord, let them enjoy inviting the Lord into their heart, maybe, and then he can tell them how to vote. That's their choice, not mine. 
So I purposely believe that Jesus was an independent. He prayed for both parties. That's my my side of it. That's how I believe it. I love the fact that when I can go and I have either a liberal Democrat or a Republican or a Hindu or a Buddhist or a pagan or LGBT or anybody Christian as well, anybody who is truly the real deal and is on fire for their set of beliefs, I give thanks for you. Why? Because I've had too many of the weak, lukewarm, milk toast, raw, weak, really weak, born-again people. Oh, yeah, you know. And I think, man, I'd rather have a thousand. That's why I'm so happy out in the... That's why I'm so happy. I love letting people be themselves. I like to hear their opinion. doesn't offend me. I get really tired, though. I'll be honest, at one place... Not in McKinney, but I used to go to like several barista fellowships because I do a lot of work there and I'm, you know, out with people. In one particular group, one particular barista fellowship, I'd go and I had a Democrat, a Buddhist Democrat who was so, oh, big on global warming too. Very nice. We laughed. I laughed with him. We had a great time. Nice friend. He would get on this role. I hate, you know, the opposition. I hate Republicans. I, you know, I love, I hate them, you know, and I, and I would just get exhausted. I just think, man, I'm tired of hearing and beating down all the Republicans. Please give me a break. I didn't say it, but I just got tired. So then I'd go to a different one. I had the opposite. I had a Republican who was beating down all the Democrats. And I went, please don't say it out loud. I'm getting embarrassed. Don't tell me. People will think I'm a bigot. I told the manager, one of the, one of the barista fellowship, he was so loud, this guy, I like this guy a lot, because he's not lukewarm. Hindu as well. Hindu-Republican, that's a combination. And I let him say it because I thought he's entitled, but I thought, when it was public, I thought, listen, I need a t-shirt. I said, I told the, I told the barista fellowship, manager i said you know i think i need a t-shirt with a disclaimer that i'm not responsible and that i don't endorse what these people <laughs> if they say it loud and they mention names or groups don't count me in on that i'm not included in that i'm just listening so i did have to talk to him a couple of people and say listen don't say that don't name things out loud you have a right to your opinion but i don't want to be in blessed any party republican or democrat or any other kind or any faith so we have to be careful how we do this. But I approach people as individuals, as unique, enjoyable, because they're fun. I love to hear somebody with a really strong opinion, whether I agree with it or not. If they use foul words, I won't like it as much. But that's hard not to find. The F word is not my favorite. After you get cussed out by the F word, you don't want it. The reason I was talking about the little girls and that F-word type thing, people say it now just everywhere, so that isn't it. You just ignore it, basically. But if it's aimed at you as a curse, you feel it like spiritual energy. That's why I talk about it. Because those little kids, it's like darts because the spiritual force, the demonic force is on those words. It's But if you say it with hate and venom like that, the spirit of the devil is on it and it penetrates your mind, will, and emotions and leaves some kind of deposit, which only God and time, that's called abuse. So if people are just using the, hate to say it so frank, but I'm going to say it, 
if they're just using the basic vernacular, which is the American public, at the grassroots, you're just going to hear every word, every known demand, basically. No holds barred. After a while, I need to get away from that. I've been around it a lot, so I have to be, you know, I'm older too. I'm not soliciting this, but as part of the turf of being out there as a witness or whatever I'm doing, working, fellowshipping at the Barista Fellowship, you meet all kinds. So then if I got tired of the, if I get my spirit polluted, I'll have to pull away, which I have. I had to come off the front lines because it was too wearing. And also in certain parts of the area, a lot more homeless which I love the homeless. I really love them. And I want to be out there again when I get the new vehicle to get out there with them, camp out there and help more often. As well as do our our area witnessing, United States witnessing for clear vision to the born-again people again. But anyway, but I loved being there. But then after a while, they were like, they were everywhere. And I just was getting, if you know everybody and they all know you, you never get a break, and I have to work and keep fresh, and so I had to pull out for now. We'll go back. But I honor people who are out there. I honor people who are leaders that are in the different places, in, this, in the barista fellowships, in the company, out in the public. I really love it. It's my turf. I don't like to be cloistered over, I guess, controlled by the systems I think if you have a well-known name and you're recognized because of the weirdness in the people these days you should have your bodyguard or whatever your security but to a point but if you are not there yet there's no reason just to have all this security and hierarchy and make you look like this super duper famous person when you're really not because that's just emulating the wannabe spirit I call it the wannabe. It's a rivalry competition based on maybe inferiority that somebody in your family must have said, you're never going to amount to anything. So now you got a ministry and you got about the prophet on the pedestal or the preacher who's, you know, got to be famous and well-known and recognized around the world. I remember that when the, see, I came along. My dad was a Baptist, but I mean like an unsung uh, pastor and teacher and it was like, oh, he's just a real person. I never think of the ministry. I know they are ministers. And that's why I think ministry is just be yourself. Well, then you get to the 80s when they started with Christian TV and all the media. And then all the winds of doctrine. And then there's legalism and past. There's so many things that are now making our culture. Who knows where the whelp, Western, Euro Western European Levitical Patriarch, Matriarch, shepherding came all i know is that back in the 70s when i got new one magazine i liked new one magazine i still liked what they said the good part of the holy spirit those people did great but when they got into shepherding i knew something was not right it was back under the law for men over women and whatever a lot of stuff legalism so i put that i didn't subscribe to that magazine and never thought anything about it till the 90s when it moved back into town where I used to live, coming up from the Deep South, which is where they were from. Now, here's an interesting topic. When you think of good people, a few good people that are ministers, and they may teach really good, valid things that are really worthy and wonderful to a lot of people. 
But what if they get the wrong kind of doctrine like shepherding or what if they get some kind of off doctrine? Let me ask you this, starting with the 80s, starting as a Baptist, let's say, I never heard of anyone dare. No one got on their soapbox, their high horse and called everybody else a false apostle. It wasn't done. It isn't done now. To my knowledge, it's rarely done by most people. But there's a certain thread in America coming down for the, I think, the famous elevated ministries, maybe not the top people. I meant just the ones who think they're going to be famous. Some here on in the media age, there came to my understanding that there's a huge bunch of this. It's so it's so popular, almost Christian popular to label somebody in the born-again community a false false prophet, a false apostles. And it's almost like fanning the flame of fear. So I'll point out that the group who did it, a lot of them do have a Levitical patriarch nature and doctrine. Not all of them did that, that are Levitical patriarchs, but where I trace the critical accuser spirit is the law. Levitical and critical are rhymes for a reason so if you teach relationships well is the woman sitting there is she in james three seventeen form is she mutually respectful and is the husband mutually respectful both of them in ephesians five twenty one mutual submission and the fear of the lord well then they're okay why do you need shepherding why do you need this covering talk it's not even in the new testament there's no such word as covering except for chain of command and God's love covers a multitude of sins. To me, it's just an excuse for minding others' business. The one at the top gets to mind everybody's business and the ones under them get to earn the approval and the favor of the one at the top by doing the same because he likes it or she likes it. That's my opinion. That's why I'm not amongst, you know, that's why I teach. Whelp is confusing because it's controlling and divisive and it's also a controlling spirit which is a jezebel ironically very ironically so i'm confronting it like revelation church of thyrodira it says if why do you tolerate it i'm not so we teach against that but not against them so my question is if you can get a group of people let's say a bunch of ministers and they teach so many good things about the holy spirit about the word of god or faith whatever but then they have this huge error of shepherding or controlling or using back into the law legalism minding other people's business which is false errant at one point Do they become false teachers, false prophets, and false apostles? Am I calling anybody that teaches faith? No. Am I calling anybody in the era that teaches faith that? No. Anybody that teaches on the spirit of prophecy? No. I'm not calling that. Though they would to me. Though they would call without... See, this is it. From afar, they would not... Matthew 18, 15, Galatians 6, 1. That means come over and make a real chat to see if they really believe it. But the rumors get out in the body of Christ and spread because people have things stuck in their craw. They have people that are filled with not like the Messiah in Isaiah 11, 3. They're filled with hearsay and they, they believe the evil report, not like Jesus who would not believe who would not judge based on what he saw or make decisions based on what he heard. So I have a lot of things to say through many years of of dealing with this and watching it affect many other people and myself. 
and I'm submitting it as a sila to the body of Christ, as the word of the Lord. So what is the point if you look at somebody and you read their blog or their nightmare or their whatever their rumor and they say that Christian is a false prophet, that Christian is a false apostle, which is a buzzword and an, ooh, yeah, it really stirs them up at the grassroots middle income. And maybe it's because I wasn't raised under patriarchy and as a Baptist, you don't think... I don't think those kind of stereotypes. It really never occurs to me. The shock of finding out that these things are happening in such a huge national basis, critical, Levitical, is making me teach on it. Because I was never, ever disrespected. I came with strong grandmother teacher, Bible, mom, a minister's wife, and a, pa- a teacher. The men, business and capable and leadership, and the women were equal under the law. They had chain of command, husbands respected as head of household. But it wasn't all this stuff that's doctrinal Levitical patriarchism. So I think, well, what is, I guess everybody has to decide for themselves about every teacher, trainer, including me and you as well. You don't want to swallow everybody's Kool-Aid, but you also don't want to underswallow it and avoid their good stuff because you've heard rumors. So if I would say this, I'd say every day, everybody be a noble Berean. If you feel a a twinge, I would say if you look at maybe teaching on good points, then you can say, well, what about their teaching on authority? Is it controlling or not? Are the men the only ones that ever lead? Are they have many black people in the audience or on stage? Is it equal? Do they jump people in public like Welp does? Welp and Whelm jump people in public. That's a big reason I'm teaching. This is the day's move. There's no excuse. There's nothing written down that showed Jesus berated without relationship. That he, he didn't berate at all. He confronted, but he only confronted the hypocrites, the Pharisees in his father's house. And I guess that's what I've got to do now. So the idea of relationship theology is so Big, it's so important for the reputation of Jesus, making people want to really go to fellowship. Why would I, if I get accused of being out from under a spiritual authority based on their view of back under the law, Christian, Levitical, patriarchism, and matriarchism, without any relationship of asking what my doctrine is and why I believe the way I do and my freedom in Christ and my apostles, Galatians 1, 1 and 2, not sent out by any one man, any one group, which is a lot of people, and that might save a lot of, if we just make this across the board, there's no politics in that. There's no in-crowd and out-crowd. There's no big-eye little you in that, and maybe that's why Paul came in out of the Levitical patriarch mess of his day, and he had to confront the Galatians. He said, why are you Galatians back under, who's fooled you with witchcraft? Witchcraft is control. It's at the center of rebellion. Rebellion and witchcraft are synonymous. Rebellion is as of the sin of witchcraft in Samuel. But would I call anyone that is whelp, Western European Levitical patriarch, or berates me in public, a false teacher? I would say this. That is false. That is not submitted. If they have to be everyone submitted to their doctrine, 
that is not submitted to God's whole counsel of Ephesians 4, common doctrine, walking in meekness and lowliness. It's not submitted to James 3.17, Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5.21, mutual respect. And it really is off. However, on the spectrum of Western European Levitical patriarchism, matriarchism, you can find some that are much more polite and respectful and maybe they demand, they want conformity. They will not be so rude and arrogant as to jump people without even knowing their name that come down and introduce themselves at the front like I did. They would not have their witch watchers hyper prepared, paranoid of being invaded. This is church. This is church. This is fellowship. See, this is where we're talking about it. If this happens three times or more, I teach on it. And this happens a lot more than three times that I've been around. Why? Because we want people to go love the Holy Spirit, to hang out and fellowship with the saints, not be a, be scared. Their reputation is going to be ruined or they'll be jumped. I wrote and I put it at the top now on many websites. I put the ode or the ballad to the whelp. And it's it's based on Frank Sinatra, call me unreliable, and instead it's call me super spiritual. It's based on my experience, personal experience, and watching many others, but my own personal experience. The other one would be pop psychology, based on my own deep south, deep, deep south, a little bit of up north, but mostly deep, deep south, recurring findings. And when everyone said, oh, you're not sweet like baby Jesus, you're only supposed to be, ever be sweet. Jesus was never not sweet. So we just wrote that up there and put it up there. It's called the um, Jesus and the PC Pharisees, pop psychology and so forth like that. Anyway, so we're submitting this to you. I'm grateful for the many good people that are pure and hearted, that are James 317, that are not violent, that are very relationship ready and friendly, but not PC. Jesus came and he came. He came from the tribe of Judah, not Levi. Thank goodness on his Mary's side, Mother Mary's side, because that critical spirit of Levi, of Levitical patriarchism and dysfunction and anti-women misogyny, you should read it. I did a big Bible study on that too. In 2013-14 on TavoLeader.com. So that chaos that comes down of critical competition and mayhem from the tribe of Lehi. And, and even though Jesus was born from the tribe of Judah, thankfully, it means to plow. Well, in the Old Testament, plowing can mean the agricultural tribe, servant leaders. But it can also mean symbolically praise. Praise plows. And Jesus in the New Testament as a reprover, as a prophet, as a non-traditionalist of the day, he plowed up men's hearts, and he still does today. He's plowing up your heart, my heart, because he's not the norm. He's not rigid. He's not a patriarch. You know, there are two kinds of patriarchs. One is the real patriarch who's an anchored disposition, steady head of the clan, which is good. That can be fine. Bedrock of information and wisdom, stability, finances. That's wonderful. Same with a real matriarch. 
It's the whelp. It's the addition of the Levitical critical Old Testament law that makes it turn south, deep south, or, or north. So whelp means back under the law. A whelp, Levitical patriot means critical, authoritarian, dominating, and controlling, and looking for Jezebels and witches, basically. And same with the matriarchs. Levitical matriarchs, but real matriarchs, happy Patriarch's Day. We're for the patriarch. We're not for the Levitical patriarch unless they're very nice and can keep their submission doctrine to themselves. I believe if we walk it out, Ephesians 5.21, mutual submission in the fear of the Lord with the head of family being the tiebreaker in a marriage with the head of the church. And you have to have some order. And also you have to know, I, I'm realistic. Some people that will gather can have some real strong-willed, crazy, offbeat people that will try to ruin you and bring down God's work. So you got to, everything's different. But for the most part, you don't want to make sure your group isn't rife with fearful, arrogant, proud, suspicious, rivalry, name-calling Jezebel watchers all the time and that they're not a law unto themselves about their own view of the government and that they really do have a broad-based knowledge of Ephesians 4 common doctrine community for the Christian churches. When I went over to Denton and I had my experience and started to meet and fellowship with the wonderful descendants of John Wesley, I had not found a church I wanted to go back to in 14 years of the Deep South. I went there, I hadn't been to church since 2012 more than once, and that was to a conference. But when I found that they were so community-based but respectful to everybody equally, no big I, no little you, no women thou art bound, they were open to every race, every type of person, and they were quality and down-to-earth smart people. I was like on a holiday. It was the best time I'd have. I still want to go back. But you know what? Why would I want to go there? The physician isn't needed for their community. They've got that down. It was a, It helped me see a big church, a real big church, how to handle many kinds of people. They had their traditional service, two of them, which I would go to. And then they had a non-traditional with the guitars, and I liked that. It was really me, but I went to that one. Then they had one a little more even lively and open-ended and even more rocker than that. I really liked that as well. But what I thought, these people are not, these people were trying to, they understood that not everybody's going to have the same kind of flavor that they like for music. And I really would would enjoy just taking off because I didn't have any big eye, little use. No one was watching me to see if I was a church hopper. Oh, my stars, they mind their own business. I'm advertising that sometimes we need a break from all this critical spirit under the law teaching. But it helps me grow and it helps me build a bridge maybe between the Baptist, the non-charismatic, the non-tongue talker, and found good things in each one, and then each one figure out what God is saying to you about all them and about me. 
and about yourself. And we'll figure the same about you guys because it's the same. Everybody needs to hear God right now and nobody knows it all and nobody should be all wise. That's why I'm not going to give this as dogma saying thou shalt. But I'm going to say, please, I'm going to submit it to you. I hope I'm doing it with God's whole counsel. And I'm hoping I'm doing it not under the law, in a relationship, respectful fashion, even if you do not agree. There's one thing I would like to point out, though. We do not want you or anybody you know to burn in hell. And if I didn't care enough to mention that, I would just be, oh, yeah. Maybe I'd be PC by not saying it, that that is a huge deal to consider, especially when people are being wiped off the face of the earth in random violence every single day. Let's make sure we're all ready, minister, white person, black person, brown person, tan person, young person, old person, green person. Let's just say right now, am I ready to go? Where will I, if I were to go now, if something happened or God forbid I just died, like those people at the hotels lately just dropping like horrible, were they ready? I was thinking not, it's bad enough they're going, but then I think, well, where did they, you know, hopefully they went all to the right place. Because they didn't have any time to think about it. If they had not been prepared, they were just going to go wherever they're going to go. So this is it. Also, if people are going to kill themselves that much, let's think of, and I've got to quit. Let's think of reasons to keep them around and make sure they're ready. If they're going to, if they kill themselves just because it's popular and it spreads because it is a spirit. Please make sure you know where they're going to go before they naively just finish themselves off. I really mean that young and old. Please get the word out. Be final day ready. Invite Jesus Christ in your Savior and you'll be safe. That's a long topic, that suicide thing. So I don't mean, you know, it's so polished and everything. That was just a basic because my time is running out. This is Tevo DRC of Tevo Creative Leadership, Abiding Relationship Theology. We're here. If you need a question, you want to be pastored, you can apply. Mentored, you can apply. Music, worship, I'll do things like that. But I can do conferences, but I will speak one-to-one counsel to the top leader only who counsels others because I don't have any other time to do that or energy. Contact me, please, as the Lord allows at dfwleader at gmail.com. Also, if you feel that you would pray for me and the the things we're doing now to get out and also be a supporter and uh, let the Lord speak to you and you can look at online fellowship or Abiding relation, excuse me, relationship theology, or any of those, and see a give button, or on this podcast, even there's a place there. Whatever God says, do it. God bless you, and have a great day. He loves you.